Hello, Sunlit Ones. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Welcome back to the book club. We are here again, breaking down The Sunlit Man, our last episode, and the first impressions got some great feedback. Really love the conversations happening on Discord and on Patreon. We've got a bunch to discuss and talk about, so let's dive straight into this episode. We're going to be discussing Sigzel's transformation into Nomad, who transforms again into Zelion. And I think we're going to learn a lot as we revisit some of the quotes from the Sunlit Man and then try to connect it back to what we already know about Stormlight Archive and basically link up those two points in time through this character of Zigzel. So it's going to be a focus on Zigzel, but really a way to connect us to these different stories. This book kind of like Yumi is a little bit difficult to break into categories and talk about on our episodes because everything is so entwined together. So we are going to do this in sort of a a time scale way where we're going to sort of start at the beginning of Sigzel's journey, try to fill in some of those gaps between when we saw him last in Rhythm of War and then where we meet him again at the beginning of The Sunlit Man and then follow his journey through the events of The Sunlit Man. So we'll touch on all of the things. There's so many things. Uh, And we'll try to follow those threads sort of through time as they develop and change. And I want to start us off with this quote, which sort of encapsulates Sigzel's journey. Quote, I used to live for my friends, Nomad said softly, but those days are gone. Then I lived to protect the Cosmere for a brief time harboring one of its most dangerous secrets. Now, now I live to run, end quote. Such a beautiful way of defining who Zigzal is now by the time we're picking up the book in The Sunlit Man, but then connecting it back to everything, the aspects of friendship and the bonds formed in Bridge Four, but also the aspects of the greater Cosmere and the big war and the big plans, and then the single focus on Nomad or or Zigzal as a character and their growth and progression through the story. I think this is a lovely way to start us off because it hits at every possible angle of why we like Brandon Sanderson and why we like the Cosmere as a whole. So, okay, let's go all the way back to the last time that we saw Sigzal as part of Bridge 4 in Rhythm of War. He is a Radiant. He's a Windrunner. And we come to learn in The Sunlit Man that at some point he gets a new order of Night Radiant and becomes a Skybreaker. Impossible for us to pinpoint exactly when this happens, but he does give us a little bit of background and information about this transition from Windrunner, where we saw him, and Stormlight Archive 4, 
into something else, into a Skybreaker, and then eventually into a Dawn Shard holder. And this quote also shed some light on like his relationship with Knight's Radiant, with being a Knight's Radiant, and how that has also shifted and changed since Rhythm of War. It's also just one of my favorite quotes from the entire Cosmere, just changing the perspective that we entered into the Cosmere with. So let's take it from the top, a bit of a long one, so stick with us. Quote, I was a knight, he said, of a very exclusive order, two different orders, actually, at two different times. For the first, I was one of their leaders, with oaths that were supposed to turn what I did from terrible into, if not beautiful, honorable. But then... I was given charge over an extremely dangerous item, capable of killing gods, laying waste to planets. I carried that burden, found new bonds, but the weapon consumed important parts of me. I had to ask myself, once it was all done, if honor was a sham, if it was a ruse used to make men kill one another, to let them pretend there was a purpose to it. If that concept, the very idea of an honorable soldier, was not the most pernicious evil that had ever blighted the Cosmere. End quote. Really just flipping all of our conceptions of Windrunners and Knights Radiant on its head and bringing up, I think, an important point. Right. Philosophically, this concept that Zigzal is introducing of is honor a terrible idea, an evil that has blighted the Cosmere. Well, I think not necessarily just honor, but the idea that any soldier can be honorable. Right. Uh, And I think that this goes back to the conversation that Kaladin is always having with Liren about can you kill to protect? Is that the same thing? Or is it impossible to both kill and still maintain your honor? It's certainly at the core of Kaladin's identity and seemingly at the core of what Zigzal is battling as well. The difference, well, at least the difference that we've seen from Zigzal, and we don't know what the story for Kaladin will be or the end of his story, how it will continue. But I would take from this quote that there is far more doubt that we should have in regards to the quote-unquote hero characters like the Windrunners And it's a bit back to what we learned in Oathbringer, the original flip, the deep, dark secret that humans are Mm. the invaders Mm -hmm. of this planet and that humans are the original void bringers. They are bringing the darkness, bringing the void, bringing war, and from their perspective, calling it honorable, calling it something that is to be valued in their society. And we see that push them forward until the plot points of Gavilar and Dalinar and Kaladin, Shallan, and the heroes that we meet. But Zigzal is looking back now, reflecting on that, and wondering if it was all a lie. And I think that our broader picture of the Cosmere can at least say that honor in a shard is probably wrong in the same way that odium in a shard is or ruin Mm. in a shard is yeah by being like isolated and sort of self-amplifying yeah self-amplifying maybe to the point of an evil or creating a necessary evil i think that it is always important for us to remember that the structure of the knight's radiant is also a 
made up structure. Like the magic doesn't order itself into Knight's Radiant orders. The magic exists and humans, both current and past, have organized the magic into the orders of Knight Radiant and have said, you know, this is going to be called a this thing and you have these two surges and it's a specific thing. So I think that we should remember that like honor, I think, is not necessarily bad. Like I think it is possible for a person to bond an honor spread and do honorable things. Of course. But the idea of the honorable soldier I think is where, like, putting those two words together, I think, is where, like, we start to get into trouble. Is that actually honorable? Is it honoring the original intent of the shard and of the oaths and all of that? Or, you know, are they meant to be soldiers or are they meant to be healers? What we seemingly get from Zigzal is a transition. And through that transition, leaving behind the Windrunners, or at least my belief right now is that his bonds with the Windrunners were severed in some way. That he currently doesn't have an extra Spren or even yeah. Spren sword. My guess is that his Spren is killed. We see at the end of Rhythm of War, there is a new technology basically that is invented that gives them the ability to perma-kill Spren. My guess is that that then becomes used much more widely and we're going to see a lot more Spren die. Uh, and I think that Sigzel's was probably one of those. And to me, that is the point where a conversation with an old master in the form of Hoyd maybe the idea of a Dawn Shard is introduced because we would have to imagine that Zigzal is really low after losing a windsprint and a bonded mm. mate. And then Hoyd shows up and says, hey, you actually have a really important thing to do. Do you think that Sigzal got the Dawn Shard and then bonded Auxiliary? Or you think he bonded Auxiliary and then got the Dawn Shard? Well, if I'm just going on this quote and leaving else any other context and any other speculation or guess, this is the order that he gives. He says, quote, I was given charge over an extremely dangerous item capable of killing gods laying waste to planets. I carried that burden, found new bonds, but mm. the weapon consumed important parts of me, end quote. So I think that he was carrying the burden and then found new bonds. He made found a, a bond. new spren. I was sort of reading that as like the Dawn Shard was his new bond. That's a good way of reading it as well. Because and I, he the, was then, you know, once you take on the responsibility of being a Dawn Shard, shard holder, you have new obligations. Yes, I completely agree with that. And that it is akin to bonding a spren yeah. when you are a Dawn Shard holder. Because he also, I mean, the first part of that quote says, I was a Knight Radiant twice. I bonded two different spren, which is at least, you know, in this quote coming before bonding the Dawn Shard. So that's how I read it. Like I had one spren, then I had two, sp the second spren, then I got the Dawn Shard. Let us know what you think and what your guess yeah. is, because we don't have a perfect timeline. We're trying to just like show the arc itself yeah but we don't actually know the points guesses based on the little breadcrumbs we've been left by brandon sanderson <laughs> i think that it actually makes more sense 
for what you are describing, that it goes Windrunner, Skybreaker, because like the war's still on, and yeah, he is exactly. a perfect target yeah. of someone who a Skybreaker Spren would be interested in. And then when the Stormlight Archive 5 battle is over, then there's some introduction to the Dawn Shard. Like, I think that all lines up and makes sense. From a character perspective, I find what I'm imagining happening, which Dawn is- Dawn Shard in the middle. Yes, a Dawn, Dawn Shard, Shard in the middle. Yeah, how interesting would that be if the Dawn Shard preceded the bond to the Skybreaker and that there was some aspect of the Dawn Shard then was influencing the relationship with our good friend who oh. we meet in this story of the Sunlit Man as auxiliary. Anyways, that's a fun bit that we can speculate on, but we know that he's two orders deep in the Knights Radiant yeah. and a Dawn Shard holder. We believe, or at least again, here's some more speculation. I think it's the same Dawn Shard that Hoyd once upon a time held. Yes, that is confirmed by the text. It is the same Dawn Shard. I think we should take this opportunity to just say one more thing about Sigzel's past as a Knight Radiant in that he also abandoned his oaths. It is unclear if this was before taking the Dawn Shard or after the sort of devastation that the Dawn Shard wreaks upon him and Auxiliary, but he says, quote, Then my oaths ended, and I realized that destinations really are important, Wit. They are, no matter what we say. Nobody ever implied they lacked importance, Wit said. And Wit here emphasizes the word ever. Nobody ever implied, which I just thought was interesting and gives us a little bit of perspective about Wit's insight into these matters or how these oaths, these incantations that we see more of in The Sunlit Man uh, contain these sort of vital and magical truths. Yeah, and after enough time, we know that the cognitive focus on ideals or people can warp and change. And so the concept of the oaths that are given, the oaths that bind the magic, that shape it, that direct it, that maybe give it a guiding light or also lead it astray. But we know that the oaths are immensely important to every one of the orders of Knights Radiant. And that like each one of the words in those phrases are important, as we see when Sigzel is trying to figure out the incantation for Canticle's investiture. Like each and every word sort of means something in this magic system. And I think as we say the first ideal, we all probably tend to focus on the first parts of the phrases, mm -hmm. life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. And wit is kind of giving us a clue that the second halves of those phrases are also important, right? It's not like death is never going to exist or weakness is never going to exist or that the destination is not important. There are just other things that come first, but those second things are still there. Definitely still there and feeding back to the journey itself. The destination yeah. influences the journey and the journey, of course, yeah. influences the destination. 
what I think is important to call attention to is the moment when Nomad starts getting angry. Like he he begins to like let some of his Hulk out as the difficulties of the Sunlit Man continue to stack up. He has this line to the Cinder King, quote, there's one thing you need to know about my people. You promised me no tricks and you should never break an oath to a Risharan, end quote. It's bad Love times. It. Yeah, bad times when you cross <laughs> a Risharan. Don't do it or do it. And then we get an epic battle and <laughs> yeah. final fight. Okay, so that's a little bit of background on Sigzel as a Night Radiant. Then he goes on to hold that Dawn Shard. Quote, Wit had asked him to carry something known as a Dawn Shard, a well of unimaginable investiture designed as a weapon. He'd accepted that terrible weapon to hide it, and that power had warped his soul. End quote. We know that one Dawn Shard exists in the hands of Risen. And this second Dawn Shard, or what I think is a second Dawn Shard, is now swirling around Zigzel. How long did he have it? When exactly did he give it up? We don't know that answer, but we know the damage that it caused. And so I'm already worried about my girl Risen because <laughs> yeah. did it cause damage because it was in conflict with what Zigzel wanted to do? Basically like oaths and oh. a, a situation like Kaladin faced of making two oaths that are yeah. contradictory to one another. And is that why it caused so much damage? Is it possible to hold a Dawn Shard and be so in sync with it that it's only positive, only benefits? Or is the nature of a Dawn Shard partly corrupting to a human or a mortal? Well, Sigzel does speak to this and talks about sort of how he gets his torment. Quote, when I adopted the Dawn Shard from Wit, it created my torment. Too much investiture taken in too quickly, warping my very being, end quote. So it sounds like maybe it was just a function of how quickly he took it up. I don't know how that would necessarily be different from like when Risen takes her Dawn Shard, other than she was kind of specifically called to it and does it maybe more willingly. And it seems like maybe when Sigzel got the Dawn Shard, it was under pressure right. or under stress of some kind where Wit was like, ah, I need you to take this thing. Please hide it. And he was like, uh, uh, I mean, I guess. Sure. Uh, give it to me. Yeah. The difference between the one ring from the Lord of the Rings being forced onto different person after person and Frodo stepping up and saying i will go i will sure. make this choice and the yeah. choice being like the key defining aspect because then when things get difficult it does come back to frodo you chose this like it's yes it's difficult yes it sucks for you sigzel yes it sucks for you but if you are not fully committed to the choice that you make maybe sigzel was not and maybe that's why there is corruption because i don't understand this idea of like taking too much investiture too quickly in comparison to Risen, because Risen mm -hmm. is not a Night Radiant. Zigzel was either a very high-level Windrunner and then a Dawn Shard, or he was two orders of Night Radiant and then a Dawn Shard, both giving him insane amounts of investiture and already I like, mean, not insane compared to a Dawn Shard, though. You know what I but mean? But more like, than Risen. More I than think, Risen. Well, sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. And so that's all I'm saying is like our comparison is risen. 
what went wrong with Zigzal, or is the same thing going to happen to Risen and we just haven't witnessed it yet? I don't know, but this idea of a, a torment with the Dawn Shard, I don't know if it has to happen or if it did happen to Zigzal in mm-hmm. this circumstance. Well, yeah, because then we also see the same thing happening with Wit. What we've known about Hoyd for a long time is that he has difficulty hurting people or things. Yes, he's and- a vegetarian still to this day because of his original holding of the Dawn Shard. Right. And so we know that there is at least a little bit of that in the previous holder of the Dawn Shard. Also, can we talk about how it seems like apparently Hoyd has been holding the Dawn Shard the entire time that we've known him? And he is just giving it up to Sigzel at some point after Rhythm of War? Like, I never suspected that. Yeah, and again, is it holding and bonded to the Dawn Shard the entire time? Or was he, like, keeping it under a rock? Or did he secretly put it inside of Kaladin's flute that he keeps losing? What You know, is he actually holding it? Or is it a mechanism like a person can do with breaths? Right. And they can dump all of the investiture into a single object. And then you wouldn't know that the investiture is in that object because it's not sentient. Maybe the Dawn Shard was hidden in some type of way because it certainly seems weird that Hoyd was a fully powered Dawn Shard holder plus all of the investiture types that we've seen from him and it's not manifesting in a more direct way. Well, to be fair, we haven't really seen a Dawn Shard holder like do anything. We don't really know, like, does it give you powers? Or we see, I think, some sort of heightening-esque powers from Risen where the world looks a little bit brighter and she has, like, better life sense. But we don't see her, like, wield it in any type of powerful way. I would suspect that it would be something like you're saying where Hoyd is able to stow it somewhere. I think he is still bonded to it and therefore restricted by that bond in terms of his inability to do violence, etc. But with Hoyd's obsession with collecting investiture, he would not want his Donchard to get in the way of him, for example, bonding a Spren or collecting all of the other types of investiture that he collects. And so I think his his hiding of the Dawn Shard or like stowing away of the Dawn Shard is his attempt to get around that. But it seems like he is, it's not hidden well enough because he eventually has to give it to Sigzel to keep it safe. Now, what would make sense to me because of where we leave Hoyd in Rhythm of War, remember tricked by Teravodium, I think that it could be whether it's hidden or bonded that Teravodium witnessed that Don Shard in Hoyd's spiritual DNA and is then hyper-focused on getting it. Yeah. And Hoyd recognizes the problem and says, I need to, you know, act as a decoy, giving the Don Shard, you know, a sneak attack, or kind of passing off the Don Shard to Zigzal and maybe making a big show in front of Teravodian, like, come over here, come and get me. I have the Don Shard thing that you want, allowing Zigzal to escape into the Cosmere and begin his life as Nomad and the continual run. It may have originally been a run from Teravodium and Rashar. 
Maybe. Yeah, it's also unclear when Sigzel gives up the Dawn Shard because he does at some point and we know that he does not carry it for as long as Hoyd did. Uh, he says something about like how long Hoyd has been alive and how Sigzel is not quite as uh, impervious or immortal as Hoyd because he didn't hold the Dawn Shard for as long. Let's go to this discussion between Hoyd and Nomad. Hoyd starts it off with, quote, you may have saved the Cosmere. I absolutely did not save the Cosmere, Nomad snapped, finding a pebble in his pocket and throwing it through Wit's head. The image rippled and then restored. I might have saved you, though. Same difference, end quote. And then a little bit later, Hoyd saying this, quote, I was wrong. I did the best with the situation I had, hoping it would prevent calamity. I ruined your life, and I was wrong. I'm sorry, end quote. I think that's the most contrite we've ever seen Hoyd. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, certainly one of the only moments that we've seen him apologize. Yeah, he, and be like so earnest. Right. He literally said in the more terrifying Hoyd moment to Dalinar, like, don't get in my way. I will destroy you and everything that you've ever loved if it interferes with my plans. And then here he's saying, not only I'm wrong or I was wrong, but I'm sorry for what it did to you. And the difficulty that nomad is pointing out between did i save the cosmere or did i save this one very powerful individual in the cosmere yeah i think hoyd saying that he basically is the cosmere right. is telling <laughs> very telling how true is it i don't know i think it's certainly hubris on the one hand but there is this question of with these super powered people throughout the cosmere if all the events are swirling around them then certainly the most powerful of those people in the Cosmere, those the most invested, is also the one who's most significant to everything. It's kind of just a, like a basic step of logic that Hoyd could be making of yeah. just like everything revolves around these invested, superpowered entities and all these different planets, and I'm the most invested and I have all the magic, and therefore I'm the most of the Cosmere, most important to the Cosmere. Well, and I think from his perspective, he is the prime person trying to save the Cosmere or trying to do what he feels is best for the Cosmere. And so the Cosmere doesn't stand a chance if Hoyd dies. And so saving Hoyd is saving the Cosmere because Hoyd is going to save the Cosmere. Yes. And we would have to go back to that conversation between Hoyd and Frost, the little snippet that Brandon released several years ago. We did an episode just on it. I believe it's called The Traveler, where they have a conversation maybe back in like episode 24 or something along those lines for us, because there's some doubt from Frost about that concept that you just introduced. Frost does not think that Hoyt is the most important part of the Cosmere. Well, Frost is an anti-interventionalist and Hoyt is very pro-intervention. Which reminds me of what's going on with everybody's favorite Mistborn slash Ghostblood, Kelsier slash Thytokar. Yeah, they are very similar, I think. They both have high opinions of themselves and their ability to influence things for what they think is the better. Though we don't have the exact moment that the bond between Nomad and Auxiliary is made, or if we would consider him still Zigzel when that bond is made, we know that the Spren have an insight different from any human perspective because of their long lives and because of their 
cognitive nature. And so I want to bring in auxiliary to this discussion because they have opinions, they have thoughts, even <laughs> though this is a mere fraction or a shadow yeah. of what once was auxiliary, they still give us a tremendous amount of information and perspective. We also get a kind of new and more explicit perspective on what Spren are. Sigzel says to his Spren, quote, Auxiliary, you are literally a living manifestation of physical forces, sharing substance with the concepts of gravitation and the interaxial force, end quote. Big words. Uh, <laughs> but thinking of Spren as the living manifestations of physical forces, I think is important for us to remember. And just as a reminder for all of us, because I needed to look this up, the Windrunners share the surges of gravitation and adhesion, which are described as gravity and pressure slash vacuum, while Skybreakers have the surges of gravitation and division, gravity and destruction or decay. It's that second aspect of division that has been like one of the most closely guarded powers in the Order of the Knights Radiant. We only have secondary characters who are the primary wielders of it. That would be the Dustbringers. And when we see Skybreakers, they are more often using that gravitation, the flying around bit that makes them more akin to Windrunner lights than an order of its own strength and power. But of course, we should recognize that as Zigzal has bonded a new order, it is because a piece of him has changed. And I find it interesting that it goes from what's the thing that is consistent between the two orders? Gravitation. Yeah. What is the thing that is different? Adhesion versus division. Yeah, which is like literally opposites. He goes from putting things together, sticking things together, to breaking them apart with that interaxial force. And then, of course, how does this manifest itself for the actual person that is Ox? We said this quote in our very first episode, but here it is again. Quote, what's life about if not growth? I don't like the person I was back on Rashar either, before we knew each other. I like change, Nomad. My kind were too static for too long, particularly we high spren. End quote. Yeah, I think that's interesting taken in context of the surges of the Skybreaker order, because of course, destruction or decay is required for change. That's what I think separates the Order of the Skybreakers from the Windrunners, the High Spren from the Honor Spren, is if your whole concept, the thing that really gets you jazzed up, is adhesion and coming together, eventually, and maybe, you know, with lack of guidance and perspective, that leads you to create a strong but insulated and insular community like we see from the Honor Spren, whereas... The Skybreakers and the High Spren specifically kind of like copied that aspect. They they yeah. seem to kind of borrow from that, but it's against their nature because like you were saying, yeah. division is an aspect of change in the same way that ruin, when in conjunction with preservation, right. is a powerful and important force. And when separated out and individualized, it's less good. But I feel like the Skybreakers have always felt kind of weird, and I think that's because they're lacking some of the division. And this is what we see with 
Ox's explanation. He's like, our society is more static than I want to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's another sort of small moment that I found interesting. I'm curious your thoughts on this. Ox at one point says, quote, I remember revelations in light, transformation, end quote. And I thought that was interesting. Transformation is its own sentence, basically. So it is capitalized, but it could just be sentence caps. Transformation is, of course, not a surge of the skybreakers. And this just struck me because it almost sounded like he was talking about light weaving, revelations in light, transformations of light or as a consequence of light. And I just didn't know what to make of it. Maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but it struck me. No. What else are we here in a book club to do except read too much into things? I think that while transformation is capitalized and the word light is not, we may be better served by thinking of this like the moment, let there be light. The original creation of Spren may be what Ox is recalling or remembering here, which we at least think was in part because of Adenalsium and the shards of honor and cultivation, maybe the transformation that moved them from a regular spren to an elevated or exalted spren was in part bathed in light, you know, done in the power of the shards, which would appear to them as just light. So it's kind of Mm -hmm. like remembering his birth because he was something before. If he was part of the original group that was transformed, you know, there were a little regular spren and at some point they were transformed into exalted spren. I don't know if we know that for sure. I don't think that we know that for sure. I don't think that's ever been like clearly stated. I mean, I guess he could just be talking about the way that the bond transforms both auxiliary and sigil, right? In the in the night radiant bond. Yeah, because we also have Sill's memory or experience of that event when she is bonding someone and she is, you know, like called to Kaladin on the wind as a little windspread and like keeps returning to him. So that could kind of be like a, a light source that, you know, you're flying towards out of the dark. You don't really know what's going on, but you're like moving towards this thing that kind of gives you purpose. Maybe and that's what's stormlight, happening. Stormlight, of course. Cause I think isn't Stormlight just like the currency of exchange basically between the Spren and their bonded human. Currency of exchange is interesting. I don't know if it's the spren that need the mm. investiture so much as the humans who need well, the investiture. Yeah, but like when uh Shalana is trying to transform things or soul cast things, mm-hmm. they ask for stormlight. Definitely. You know, and she there has is, to give it to them. There's always the requirement of spheres or a source of yeah. investiture for the power to flow and yeah so you could definitely see it as the key to exchange is stormlight in the same way that metal is the key to the exchange unlocking the spiritual realm yeah is kind of happening because of the stormlight okay another question for you in a quote that i thought was interesting this is from sigzel and he is describing the stones that make sun hearts quote the rocks here were dark and glass-like 
Obsidian, maybe. It reminded him of another place, another world he'd once traveled, a place where he'd met Auxiliary, end quote. Super interesting, because it doesn't sound like he is describing Rashar. So he meets his spren not on Rashar, and I thought maybe it's Braze? I think that's a good guess. I mean, the only other possible guess, not the only other possible guess, but the only other one in the Rasharan system is Ashen. And I don't think it sounds that much like Ashen. We've gotten more descriptions of Braze, but we've gotten so few that it's not like I have a very clear memory of... I mean, I just imagine it being dark. And so, you know, a dark obsidian rock makes me think of Braze. Yeah. And it also sounds hellish. Like, I don't want right. to be there. Yeah, exactly. If just the whole world is made out of sharp obsidian. But I think that's a good call. And it brings into question, like, what in the world happened? How did you get there? What are you doing there? Why is there a spread there? Like, I have all the questions. We know that because of the Everstorm, because of the events of Oathbringer and Rhythm of War, that Braze is not doing its job as a holding ground anymore, that the Voidbringers are just being cycled through Braze. Yeah, there's now like a portal from Braze to Rashar. And therefore, I think that could be you know, how you attack the enemy. You have to go on the offensive Mm -hmm. and kind of like, oh, Iron Man at the end of the very first Avengers, he like takes the nuke, flies it through the portal and like tosses it into the enemy army that's attempting to come. Maybe if there was a big battle, a bunch of them died all at once. Now they get transported to Braze and a team of people you know, is sent through the portal after them to try to wipe them out in kind of like a a new herald heroes, heraldic heroes. Yeah, well, of course, that's what it makes me think of. But no offense, Sigdal is not the person that I would have guessed to become a new herald. I would actually love <laughs> that. Not that I think this is going to play out, but the concept of who are the heralds that now we see as Ishar or Shalash and, of course, Tom, these epic characters. But what if we get a moment of witnessing the birth of the new heralds and it's just I'm gonna who was around there? I'm going to so much of it happens. Really? Yeah. If it was just like who happened to be at I'm the point? I'm so against any refounding of the Oathpack, oh, the gotcha, heralds, gotcha. all of it. I just... Oh, completely against. No, no, I I agree with that. And that's why I don't think this is necessarily going to happen. But I think it would be an interesting reveal if, let's say, there is the option to, like, reform the Oath Pack. And it's like, who are you going to do just, like, randos? Just a bunch of randos. Just, like, how did they get here? Just, like, some random soldier next to Lyft, next to Sigzel. I think that would also be way too OP, though, also. Like, okay, Sigzel gets two Spren, a Dawn Shard, and to be a Herald? Like, no. That's too much. To be fair... Being a herald seems to suck. <laughs> Nobody yeah, comes no, out. Yeah, no, it definitely sucks. But if the the concept, I don't think there's going to be a rebirth of the heralds, but there could be a group of people that need to attack on Braze. And if that is supported by certain high spren or, or versions yeah. of spren, if they all kind of like move towards one event, one big climactic <sighs> battle. Yeah, it's just, I, it's so interesting. Why is Auxiliary there? Is he there fighting as a spren like did the spren mobilize armies also or 
I don't know. I just find this quote absolutely fascinating. My imagination runs wild. Yeah, it's a great one to talk about and and discuss because it's a small one and it's not clear or significant on its face. Right. But it might mean something big. Yeah. And I like that a lot. So let us know what your thoughts are on that. Where did Auxiliary meet Zigzal? Let us know your thoughts. And you and I, let's move on to... One of the most obvious personality traits about Ox, I guess maybe I shouldn't call it a personality trait, that's kind of mean, but of course, the fact that he is all but dead uh, as a result of Sigzel using the Dawn Shard. He is now only a personality that lives inside of Sigzel's head. One of my gripes with this story actually is how long it takes for this to be explained. I think it's not until like 75% through the book that the whole like the the knight and the valet thing is explained. And I found that very confusing for basically all of the book. I really wish this explanation had been earlier. Quote, Auxiliary, my friend, has a body, but he can't control it directly. Instead, he sits in my mind like a passenger. So he jokes that I'm his valet, his palanquin carrier, you might say, to move him wherever he wants to go, end quote. Yeah, certainly this is funny and humorous. And it is, but if you don't understand it, it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> now, overall, the bond between Zigzal and Ox is explained throughout the story. We get this revelation that Nomad using the power of the Dawn Shard as before. Like we haven't seen a lot of people use the power of the Dawn Shard. Yeah. Apparently, when you do so, it becomes a Nightblood-esque source of just like sucking in investiture from wherever it happens to be not dissimilar from the father machine from mm, yumi yeah. in another way of just mm -hmm. like oh anything that is investiture like i want that and i can take that like i have the power to and therefore i will and that may be able to be mitigated if the wielder of the dawn shard has some skill right like they may be able to sort of partition off what the dawn shard is able to consume but obviously, Sigzel doesn't know or have any experience with this type of thing. And it seems like Hoyd, as maybe should be expected, was not a super great teacher in this moment. Yeah. Sigzel's mentor, not the best. Yeah, not the best. We've got this quote. Nomad breathed out heavily, squeezing his eyes shut. It wasn't your fault. I said yes to Hoyd and I bonded you. You didn't know what either would do. I let the Dawn Shard consume us, Auxiliary. I let it feed on you. I salvaged a little. This bit of my mind. The last fragment of my soul. End quote. So maybe this answers our question. He takes the Dawn Shard first, and then he bonds Auxiliary? At least that's the order that Sigzel says it here. He said yes to Hoyd, and he bonded Auxiliary. If we take that as an indication of, like, actual timeline of events then it would be closer to what you said of there being like a Dawn Shard sandwich. Which on the surface sounds great, but I don't think I would actually want to consume. Well, okay. And then here's the thing, right? Because when Risen takes the Dawn Shard, the Sleepless are very explicit about do not become a Radiant now. Mm, and that's a good point. Hoyd, like Hoyd, where was this? 
warning when you just gave over this Dawn shard. You didn't feel like you wanted to mention, hey, man, don't bond another Spren. It might not end well. That's a great point. I actually forgot about the warnings from the Sleepless. Yeah, they specifically tell her. Better mentors. That's what we learned. Sleepless, greater than (laughs) Hoyd. Like, Hoyd, big fail, bud. Big fail. It certainly seems an obvious concern to have for anyone who has knowledge of the Dawn Shards, which Hoyd does. My question then, is it a circumstance where... Both things need to be done in order to save Zigzal from a situation. You know, Hoyd needs Zigzal to pick up the Dawn Shard. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. But maybe Zigzal needs Ox and a new bond to save him from something else. And therefore, you have to, you, it's like you don't have any choice in the matter, or seemingly you don't have any choice in the matter. If Hoyd had been very explicit like you can never have a new bond maybe that would have been great uh, like maybe he didn't have time i guess because it does sound like there's some type of pressure on the situation again where hoyt is like i really need you to take this right now like please hide it the fate of the cosmere is in your hands right and so he just grabs that not knowing what it's going to do yeah, maybe and then Hoyd maybe doesn't have time to be like, hey, probably a bad idea to connect yourself to an endless well of investiture. <laughs> maybe, you know, don't just draw night blood completely and like give it a never ending well of power. It makes me worried about Risen. And it also makes me question this timeline and then the why of why give up the Dawn chart. Is it because it consumed auxiliary and like you couldn't hold on to that burden anymore? Or like Hoyd, were you able to find a way to hide it, to to mm. stow it somewhere yeah. and like took that opportunity and continued to then run and, and, you know, live the nomad life? Yeah. I mean, it certainly seems like it's a game of hot potato. Mm-hmm. First of all, I don't think you want to be in possession of the Dawn Shard for a long time for like personal reasons of it like warping your soul and stuff but then also obviously there are people chasing it you want to hide it from people who may be using it for nefarious purposes and so that's also an incentive to be passing it around to keep it away from those actors it also seems like there may have been a situation where they wanted to use the Dawn Shard. And of course, I think of maybe they're using it against Odium because we know that the Dawn Shards have been used in the past to shatter Adonalsium. So obviously they're great shard weapons. And this is what Sigzel has to say about the, the sort of moment and the process around which Auxiliary is killed. Quote, he hadn't known hadn't realized that bonding auxiliary would lead to such a tragedy. They'd spent years together with the potential lurking there, unseen. Then, in a moment of need, he'd unconsciously reached out for any energy source he could access. The Dawn Shard had found auxiliary, a being of investiture. It had turned Ox's very substance into power to fuel Nomad's abilities. The Dawn Shard, the weapon, protected itself, no matter what no matter who it killed. Nomad had barely been able to stop himself before burning the entirety of Auxiliary's soul away in a moment of supercharged power, end quote. Yeah, so a couple things from that quote. One, this was living in the background. They had existed for years, so it wasn't like an instant problem. Yeah. You know, bond Auxiliary, then you immediately 
have the Don Shard sucking his soul away. Right. It was something... He is able to hold them both at the same time, and it seems fine. Yes, exactly. They have no problem until a moment of need. Maybe, yes, that is when they try to fully unleash the power of the Don Shard to, like, destroy Odium or do some other big Cosmere significant thing. And it's only because Zigzal opened up the floodgate, so to speak, that everything kind of came pouring out. Yeah, so interesting. So if if he wasn't bonded to a spren, when you use a dawn shard, do you just die? That would be my guess, is it would like sort of use up the investiture of your soul as much as it can, and then you're dead. I would think it would kill everything around you because you and are you. the holder. It's, but shard. it's drawing on your power, obviously. Like through Sigzel, it draws on auxiliary and that bond, like instead of burning through uh, Sigzel's life. But I am thinking about this in the same way as drawing Nightblood, where if you have investiture, whether that's breaths or stormlight, you're able to wield it without dying. But if you run out of stormlight or breath, Nightblood will just consume your soul and then you're dead and it's done. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be the major difference between the Dawn Shard and a creation like Nightblood or even like the Father Machine is the Dawn Shard seemingly has a holder a wielder that is bonded. Yeah, but it says it protects itself no matter what, no matter who it kills. I don't think it cares about its holder. I think it does. I think it does care about its holder, but it doesn't care what is connected to the mm. holder. And the Dawn Shard allows for connection to everything. Let's go to another line from Nomad a little bit later. Quote, when I gave away the Dawn Shard, it left me changed with a kind of scar tissue on my soul. That's the torment, the strange connection I have to all places at once, the ability to feed on investiture, the ability to skip from location to location, but also the curse of not being able to fight back, end quote. So there is a strange capital C connection mm -hmm. to all places because of the Dawn Shard. The Dawn Shard may go through its holder to like view out of the holder and look for all connections to sources of investiture. I mean, I think the Dawn Shard probably exists kind of in all places at all times at once because it is just investiture. I would agree you know? with that until it's being held by someone. There's some difference between the Dawn Shard when it's hiding or not being wielded by someone and the Dawn Shard with a Dawn Shard holder. You think so? I do. I do think that there is a clear distinction, which is why I don't think Hoyd was a holder or wielder of the Dawn Shard this whole time in secret background. I think he did something like hide it away because I, I see them as two mm, distinct states. They're I like don't. The Dawn Shard and when it is bonded to someone because it is a bond. It's the same difference at a different scale that we would see with a Spren before bonding a Radiant and after bonding a Radiant. Like, those are two different states of the spren, right? Would you agree to that? When a spren exists before bonding and then after bonding a radiant, those are like two different states for the spren. Yes, but once a spren has been bonded, you know, just because Syl isn't 
seen all the time or isn't around all the time doesn't mean that she and Kaladin are not still bonded. So I think that even if Hoyd had put his Dawn Shard into his cloak or into his flute in the way that people do with breaths, he's still a Dawn Shard holder. Like he's still holding it because that is just the word for I am bonded to a Dawn Shard currently. Okay, can I float something as a how did Hoy possibly hide the Dawn Shard? I just want to ask if you think this is correct. Could you put the Dawn Shard inside of an aluminum and maybe (laughs) silver-coated box? Would anything be able to get out, including its connection to a holder Mm. like Hoyd? I think, yes, you could put it in a box. And yes, it would be hidden. But then I'm immediately like, if that's true, why didn't someone do that before this? <laughs> it might be, you know, they're running around all over the Cosmere just looking for aluminum. They're just like, oh, man, we are out of aluminum again. It only exists on Scadrial, one planet that has aluminum. And they like shut down an embargo or something. Yeah. And they're like, we need some aluminum because that is how we hide Dawn Shards. And all this skipping. It just seems like the sleepless probably would have known about that. And then like, why did they hide it in a tapestry on amia why didn't they just put it in an aluminum box you know that I think seems this like is... a really convenient thing that people would have used if it worked like that but i also don't know why it wouldn't work like that let us know if you think we're on to something here with how to hide a dawn chart everyone's favorite game sweeping the cosmere how do you hide a dawn shard get a bunch of aluminum wrap it on up and then you're good. Just like a old piece of pizza. You just put that in on some aluminum foil and you got yourself a forever good Don Shard. <laughs> I apologize for that ridiculous notion that uh, we just went off on a side tangent, but it is still up in the air how these connections are formed with the Don Shard, what it means to be a holder. Because what I'm hearing from you is that Zigzal is still bonded to the Don Shard. No, he specifically says he gave it up. But he does say that there is a, he has a lingering connection to the Don Shard still, which is why the Night Brigade is looking for him because they can use him to track where the Don Shard has gone. Yeah, then. Night so he is not currently a holder, but my guess would be that there would be a uh, trace in his spirit web that they could follow. Yeah, the Night Brigade is like, oh boy, you stanky. You smell it's like Dawn like how If you delete something from your computer or your phone or whatever, like it's not really deleted. If someone knows what they're doing, they can still get a record of that thing. That's how I think this works. Like he doesn't actually have the Dawn chart. He deleted it, Mm -hmm. but the night brigade has a way of getting into his files and finding. You got to empty that recycle bin. You can't just leave that there. (laughs) Yeah. Recycle is not delete. There you go. That's a very good point and an interesting analogy as well. Now, he says he has scar tissue from the Dawn Shard. So to me, that's enough because Mm, if you have scar tissue from a magical item of such great power, then that leaves a residue on your spiritual realm. Exactly. A residue left on his spirit web. Yes. And here's what he says about his scar tissue. Quote, a Dawn Shard is one of the primal forces of creation. 
and the one we carried is diametrically opposed to the concept of violence and harm. The scar tissue on my soul has that same intent, that same requirement of its host, that I be unable to harm anyone at all for any reason. It's ironic, you know, the hero says, because of the way the Don Shards were used to... To kill God. Yes, I know. End quote. So when broken down into these kind of like core components, we think there are four Don Shards. Risen, we know from the text, has change. Yes, the intent of her Don Shard is change. What do you think the intent of Hoyd slash Sigzol's Don Shard is? That's an excellent question. I think my first word that is popping into my head is protect. Oh, I thought maybe it's peace. Mm, okay. So it's almost like the opposite of change. If change is, you know, motion, agitation, mm-hmm. then peace is the opposite, is more Stasis. like sta- yeah, stagnation, uh, calmness, stillness. And that would also obviously not be compatible with violence or harm. Yeah, certainly that makes a little bit more sense for getting away from violence and harm because Kaladin is, you know, down to protect and I've but been uses thinking, it all the time. Well, yeah. And I've been thinking about this a lot because it, seemingly the Dawn Shard's intents are bigger or more broad or more great. As this quote says, they are the primal forces of creation. So they have to be quite broad and like basic sort of to fit into that Mm -hmm. and i with risen's being change i keep coming back to like ruin and preservation being that balanced pair where change would be like ruin and so i have you want a preservation yeah basically but then i kept thinking like is that too much the same like we already had ruin and preservation maybe that's the wrong thought path to go down but I think it's the right path to go down. And I think it's change and something like peace. I like the thought process. I like that you also just lay it out clearly. I mean, there is a Occam's razor type of mentality that we should use here, which is just the simplest option is normally the correct one. And an opposite to change of being peace or or a preservation to a ruin, that makes sense. And you could feel, oh, we've seen that before. So it can't be the same thing but i would say maybe that's why that's the clue. ruin and preservation seemingly worked for a while and like did yeah, things I mean, beyond what thing. other shards were capable of i love it so much in mistborn that we get this look into how the shards interact together and how when you put ruin and preservation together you have this like perfect ecosystem of change but also life etc uh so i i would love to see that worked into the dawn shards as well which makes complete sense for them being powers of creation you kind of have to have both of those things that's the fundamental thing And if it was a mystery or a bit of speculation in the past, we can now be very confident when we say the Dawn Shards were used as weapons to kill Adenalsium. The 16 Shard Holders and Hoid were all party to that event, if not all directly responsible for it. But when we get this knowledge and some of the knowledge from our other secret projects, like the fact that Hoid said, 
I stood in a room with 16 other people and said, we're doing this for the greater good or for your own good, I believe was the actual Yeah, one. yeah. And so who are they talking to? Are they talking to Adonalsium? Are they talking to the Cosmere as a whole? Are they talking to each other? There's more to learn, but we've also got a lot of things that were previously only speculation, now- Hard confirmed. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we have this understanding that the limitations of- the torment, this resistance to violence or harm was able to be circumvented or overcome by the oaths that were made to Ox and because of the bond that they have together. We get this line, quote, when you were following your oaths, your natural need to follow them pushed through the scar tissue, though. It did for a time, end quote. So this relationship between human and spren is able to override the power, will, and intent of the Dawn Shard. I think because, here's my guess, the actions that Sigzel would take in pursuit of his oaths, even if they were violent, they sort of have like a tag on them that's like this is honorable mm-hmm. or like this is this is for honor this is for this oath and so they're coded in a way that the don shirt is like okay fine you're not just like wantonly killing or doing violence you are you have principles you're doing it for a good reason and so we will allow it yeah, it kind of makes me think, again, because the Dawn Shard is a primal force. You can build an aqueduct to move water from one place to another and kind of like channel that energy. Yeah. But over time, the water will do what water always does. It's going to wear away the stone. It's going to find the lowest point. It's going to seep into the cracks, break down. It will never not be water, even though you, as a mighty human or a bonded radiant, can kind of like channel its energy for a while, achieve what you want out of it, but you're still playing with a primal force and building an aqueduct does not change what water is and it's always going to do that thing so he did resist for a while or he was able to channel the don shard via his oaths in my metaphor here his oaths are the aqueduct right something he build around and purposely to the oaths are constraining or channeling his night radiant powers not the don shard but the don shards torment the aspect of resisting violence you're able to push right through because of the oaths you know it's a a, yeah because i think they have like a an identification badge that says like i'm an oath let me through and then the torment is like okay you're admitted but not forever because that's again if it was just an id badge you're coming into a building or i think it is forever it only stops when he stops following his oaths I think, at least based on this bit of text that we just read, it did for a time is not saying it did until I gave up my oaths. It's more like that only worked for a while. It was Mm. never going to work forever because I don't think it's like a all-time pass of like, oh, this move is honorable. there's another quote that we read earlier that was just like, everything was okay when you were following your oaths. Yes, I think that that is their perspective is like things were working well while the aqueduct or the oaths were in place. Because we know that 
that is an aspect of being a knight radiant that these oaths put restrictions or constraints on the power yeah which is why a concept like a bondsmith unchained Mm -hmm. or not following oaths is so feared and can lead to so much potential destruction the whole idea of the oaths was like okay we will give you this power you people who have recently destroyed ashen with your surge powers Mm -hmm. (laughs) we will give this power back to you but only under these circumstances you will be bound in this way so that we know you're going to use the power for good basically like you have to use it in the name of honor if you're not being honorable if you're not following your oaths you're gonna get your power taken away which is why the dawn chart is like okay this is fine because you are constrained it's interesting because of course we're, we're talking about can you constrain a primal force and I no, think I'm talking about can you constrain just like regular stormlight investiture, not the Dawn Shard. The Dawn Shard is not being constrained. I agree. The Dawn Shard is not being constrained. And whatever the Dawn Shard wants and its intent is peace or its intent is nonviolence. Non-harm, yeah. Ahimsa. <laughs> Absolutely. It's Ahimsa. It is nonviolence. And I think that that is always going to win in the long term, like water against stone. You can build whatever you want. You can put it at the edge of the ocean and on a long enough timeline, the ocean's always going to knock that down, always going to dissolve the stone into sand. There's never going to be an instance where the thing that you create, whether it be an aqueduct or night radiant oaths, is going to withstand the primal force of the ocean, or in this case, the Dawn Shard. I think that the Dawn Shard was like, the ocean beating against the oaths and it eventually cracked Zigzal and like wore away the, because it would be so counterintuitive if you had this Dawn Shard just like beating in the back of your mind of nonviolence, 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 nonviolence. And then every day you're coming in with your little security badge of like, no, that murder was totally fine because honor bound, remember? And for a little while that works. But I think that what, his very first quote Mm -hmm. about does an honorable soldier exist? Mm -hmm. Can you ever be honorable and be violent? I think that's because of the conflict that he was facing. Maybe, but we see that in the sunlit man, he still is, seems to be a big fan of like fighting and Mm -hmm. violence, you know, like he has not become a pacifist. Oh yeah. Bridge four forever. (laughs) You know, once in bridge four, always seem to have some conflicting, feelings about it and doesn't necessarily maybe feel good about it he has a specific conversation with rebecca where he's like you don't know how amazing i felt while i was beating up all of these people Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like he seems to feel bad about feeling good about it so i think it is complicated we'll talk about this a little bit more when we actually dive into more of the events of the book the sunlit man and talk more about For example, the oaths potentially making their return, what that means for the torment, what that tells us about this. Before we sign off for today, I just want to do a quick like recap of what did we learn in this episode? Because I think we answered some of our own questions throughout the course of this conversation. So short sort of timeline of Sigzel's life post Rhythm of War. He loses his Windrunner Spren. 
He gains the Dawn Shard. He goes to Bray's for unknown reasons. <laughs> Just for kicks. Where he meets Auxiliary and Bond's Auxiliary. Years pass in which he is holding both the Dawn Shard and is bonded to Auxiliary until some moment at which he is in need, tries to use the Dawn Shard, and the Dawn Shard gobbles up Auxiliary's stuff. Most of his stuff, <laughs> except for his personality. And then also at some point, Sigzel gives the Dawn Shard away to someone else, presumably. And then continually skips throughout the Cosmere as the Night Brigade is chasing him and the remnants of Ox, but no longer yes. chasing that Dawn Shard. Yes. They're now looking and for that, clues. I would say would be the birth of Nomad is his uh, beginning of the the race, the 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 runaway, the fleeing of Sigzel is when he becomes nomad, constantly traveling. And so on our next episode, we will move into the next chapter of Sigzel's life as nomad. Love the arc that we have been on this episode. Love the arc that our man Sigzel, now nomad, is going to experience. And there's so much that we could dive into and kind of like explore. Every branching timeline is an option for full exploration, but we have to pull it back, try to remain on the sacred timeline. I'm just having <laughs> lots of fun now for you. And I think that our next episode, when we really explore Nomad and his transition into Zellion. Yeah, we're going to have more relevant pieces of information to add to this puzzle. Thank you all for being here and participating in the book club. Lots of fun stuff going on. And Brooke, can you take us away? Until next time, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. Journey before destination.